0: What's up, guys? Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR, writer for Cleveland.com. Coming at you guys as the Browns offseason here is in full swing. We had so many different things going on uh, within the franchise. Obviously, finally, we get the naming of uh, Freddie Kitchens as our head coach, and we want to talk about how the press conference went right. want to talk about all of the coaching hires. I think as the dust settles, I'll be coming back to you guys later this week with a uh, another pod and I'll probably touch on the full detail of the coaching hires at that point and as it all sort of paints itself very clearly for now though I do want to talk to you guys about the Freddie Kitchens introductory press conference right I think that the Browns waited until all of the you know I's were dotted and T's were crossed on the contract and all that language took a little bit longer from the initial report Chris Mortensen made mid last week to finally getting around to Monday ironically enough Both of the most important coaching hires were actually announced alongside the official announcement of Freddie Kitchens as uh, former Arizona Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes will be taking over as defensive coordinator. I wrote an article on Cleveland.com about his approach, his aggressive approach, and we'll talk more about that later this week. Also the hiring of former Tampa Bay Buccaneers coordinator Tom Monken. I think his hire is going to be extremely interesting for the influence it has on Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield and the play calling and all of that as as, uh, as, as Monken brings in the air raid approach that is going to mess really interestingly with the Air Corps yell approach that uh, is coming through the, the filter that Freddie has through his days with Bruce Arian. So that impact will be uh, something that I will be able to dive into deeper later this week. But again, back to the, the press conference, which I thought was fascinating. The Browns introducing Kitchens. I thought they did a great job of of making this whole thing tie together with the end of the season impact and how uh, the, the, the resume John Dorsey talked about with Freddie Kitchens, his live resume, which was really cool because those last eight games really meant something. They meant something to the franchise. They meant something to the, the fan base that was so desperate for a turnaround. And I think that it would have been really silly for the franchise to overlook just how impressive they were in those last eight games. And, and John Dorsey speaking to that several times in the interviews and a couple times during the live press conference really meant something. And I also thought that Freddie did a fantastic job of presenting himself and presenting the fact that he was not ever going to self-promote or chase a head coaching job, that when the time came, he knew he'd be ready. When the time came, he knew it would be the right situation, all of the above. I thought he also did a great job of displaying those characteristics of, you know, you know yourself above the team, all of those uh, awesome, awesome parts of team building that I think sometimes can be overlooked in the NFL. And there's no wonder that the guys playing offense, and I'm sure it will translate over to the guys playing defense. Uh, you know, truly want to run through a wall for that guy and play hard. And I also will touch on the last thing that I was most impressed with was, you know, Kitchen's ability to to separate what was a nice turnaround with seven wins and say that they weren't satisfied. You know, seven wins was was great to see from where they'd been but the, the you know that that is not the end goal the end goal is to hoist a Lombardi trophy and i think that the sooner this young you know the young roster can realize that the better off the browns will be because the goal has to be set high and it has to be set high right now cuz it is compete compete now as a franchise they got a young quarterback in this rookie contract the time is of the essence and i hope that the browns will be able to understand that and i think by keeping kitchens surrounding kitchens with this staff of great minds both offensively defensively and from so many different perspectives it will only help uh, what should be a really fun team in a a division that should be wide open next year in the AFC North so that is going to be fascinating to watch I think the Browns have hit the ground running this offseason heading into free agency and the draft process and and genuinely has not been more anticipated season for the Browns in in what could be easily two decades so exciting time for the Browns fans exciting time for the franchise and I really look forward to them uh, and tracking you know the plan that they formulate to attack this offseason to improve the roster but before we move on I want to talk to you guys about what's going on at my pillow you know just as the new year turns around for the rest of us guys, you probably made a couple resolutions you want to eat better exercise right be more patient be kinder whatever it is it starts with a good night's rest So do me a favor, go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special enter the promo code cozy and you'll get two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. It's amazing what a difference great night a great pillow makes for your night of sleep. If you go to mypillow.com right now, click on their four pack. Shipping's absolutely free. Yep, you heard that right guys, shipping is absolutely free. Don't forget about their 60-day money back guarantee as well. So there's nothing better than a great night of restorative sleep. Go to mypillow.com, click on their four pack special, use that promo code cozy. Again, that's the promo code cozy to get two Premium MyPillows and two Go Anywhere Pillows. So MyPillow.com is the website you guys should go to, or 800-966-1472. And remember, my promo code can be used for any offer at MyPillow.com. And again, that promo code is Cozy. Also, while well, I got you here, you guys have heard of stories about drug cartels. They're all over the news, right? Guys, all the narcos on Netflix and all the above, but the crime ring you probably never heard of is one of the most dangerous in the world. They're the Mennonite Mob. You heard that right? Mennonites. 99% of them are kind, God fearing people, but there's one group that has smuggled millions of dollars of narcotics from Mexico to Canada. Wednesday, starting January 23rd at 10 9 central, WGN America presents the new TV series called Pure, based on true events of the Mennonite Mob shows about noah funk the newly elected mennonite pastor who's determined to rid his community of the drug cartel but he finds himself way over his head and the good pastor along with his wife will do some very bad things all in the name of protecting their family think of pure as breaking bad meets witness meets narcos get hooked on pure wednesday starting january 23rd at 10 9 central only on wg in america wg in america is available on direct tv channel 307 dish channel 239 or check your local cable listings for the channel in your area again that is pure on wgn america all right guys now it is time to shift to our guest we will be right back All right, guys. Uh, lucky enough to be joined by somebody I really, uh, their opinion I cherish. We've had several different conversations throughout my time writing on the Browns and uh, on Twitter through direct messages and and all the the different in- intricacies that are you know the everyday runnings of the Browns franchise. And I was really eager to get Scott Rab on. Uh, you know, Scott has obviously covered many different angles of Cleveland sports through GQ, through Esquire. He wrote. Uh, you know several different a couple different really important books on LeBron the Horror of Akron uh, you guys are very familiar with and then the 30 for 30 Unbelievable, which I just thought was awesome you helped produce that Um, you know I I would imagine you all know Scott Um, I think it's pretty silly if you don't Scott how you doing buddy
1: I'm doing great Jake how you
0: doing I'm I'm good too I'm good I'm really excited to have you on I want to talk a ton of different Browns angles yeah a ton of different Brown and Browns angles and I I'm really interested to know your opinion on. Uh, we'll we'll just get into it. I I just I, I'm really fascinated by um, some of the conversation we have had about Baker Mayfield. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the platform about what you think this kid has done, which has been pretty fascinating for a quarterback position in Cleveland that comes with so much baggage for so many years. Just your general impressions of what he has done in his rookie year, um, from beginning of you know his time being drafted to to now at the end of this as he's looking to hopefully win an award so what do you think
1: I I I really think I want to start by blowing a little bit of smoke your way just because when it you know I'm no scout I'm not a guy who you know I have issues with college uh, football with division one uh, men's uh, you know hoops and and football you know bigger issues global issues so you know, I, I'm looking at, you know, just whatever I can read about Darnold and about, you know, Allen and Rosen and Baker May. You know, but I really, it was through you and, and through your stuff uh, on Twitter. I think you were the first guy I met who was on the Baker Mayfield bandwagon. So uh, it, 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 seemed, it seemed to me like leading up to the draft that, because as I came to at least form some opinion. Mm-hmm. My 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 biggest my biggest fear was the Josh Allen pick, and and of course I figured well Darnold you know that's the safe pick. So, but I was really happy because I was most familiar through your stuff uh, with Baker Mayfield. So, I naturally felt like Tyrod Taylor. That was the natural order of things, and as it should be. Mm-hmm. And leaving aside the issue of, of of Hugh Jackson of integrating a new offensive coordinator in, in Haley, I I really. You know, I I assume that the approach would be the approach, and that uh, I would not really get a chance to see Baker Mayfield uh, under center uh, to, to any great extent, you know, barring barring injury and 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 when it came to pass, and I immediately saw, you know, that obviously my heart sang, but when I saw the entire team respond uh, the way that it did, uh, it it seemed almost immediately uh, to be a a more significant kind of experience. And I mean, Brad, Brandon Whedon had a good game. I think it was his second game in the NFL against the Bengals. I remember seeing him look m- much like a potentially top notch, if not elite NFL quarterback for one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was something, there was something very different about Baker Mayfield. because you know, something different about, about the game, even in, 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 in the time between Whedon's rookie year and, and Baker Mayfield this season. But but what struck me was just the, the level of confidence. Again, I'm not a I'm not a guy an X's and O's guy or, or a scheme guy. I I just don't know enough, and it's it's I'm playing catch up at an old age. What what I saw was again the most accomplished. I, he's he's hard to compare to a guy like Bernie Kosar, who's kind of my, of my generation. That would be a lodestar. Came in as a very smart, savvy, but gawky, awkward physically quarterback with uncanny accuracy, but not the strongest arm and almost no mobility. But Bernie Kosar from the beginning was kind of his own type of quarterback. And, you know, Baker Mayfield, I I don't know that I would put him in a category either. Uh, What I do know is, you know, based on, on, on less than a full season, I've never seen a rookie quarterback come in and establish, you know, Himself, not not just the, the, the. I don't want to say mastery, for goodness sake. The guy's a rookie, mm-hmm. but just his confidence level <laughs> seemed to grow week 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 by week until, until finally there was that sequence. And I, I'm not even sure, you know, at, at what at what point was was that sequence where he basically, uh, you know, paused uh, the entire offense close to the goal line. It was in the red zone. Directed the running back. I mean, it was a short touchdown pass. I believe to Callaway mm-hmm. was the end of the play. But it was it was that moment where he almost looked Peyton Manning like in his ability to read the field, read the defense, call the audible, check off, and then complete a touchdown pass in the red zone. He's a rookie.
0: Yeah. No, that was the Denver game. It was it was it was really impressive. The game. Yeah, and I try I tried to say. That, that that play um yeah while, while it, it's a 2-yard touchdown throw in, in in the box score and it, it it in his grand scheme of his career it's probably a meaningless play but it wasn't it was so much more than that right like it it you don't want to blow it out of proportion, but at the same time, you do because, no. like you said, it it, no. it was the part of the game that we come to love from some of the best minds that have ever played that position. And I thought that Mayfield, exactly. yeah, and I thought that Mayfield, and I and I tried to express this at the time, and I've gone back and looked at that play. Ironically enough, Scott, and and uh, the way he after that play sort of thumped his chest and he was more excited than I think I saw him the entire season. It just sort of, it yeah. sort of showed yeah. a, a, a level of, it was almost like a weight was lifted off of him in a sense of like, I can do this. I can, I can do all of the aspects of this position that the NFL requires. It's much different than what he did in college. And, you know, yeah. he, he was frustrated with not being given a chance early on. And he was frustrated with the coaching changes and all of that, that came to light. And uh, that, that moment was interesting to me because it was very impactful on him and i think it was impactful on the entire team the embrace he had with kitchens all of that and that's
1: yeah absolutely
0: and I'll, it'll lead me to, to no, part no, that, two of that which to me is some of the some of the stuff that comes with mayfield and, and i'm talking about his chest thumping and some of that like his stare down of Hugh Jackson, and some of those things and i think it'll be interesting when they play yeah. cliff kingsbury next year in arizona and all that came with that and does that bother you? It's just I mean, I'm fascinated by opinions on this. Does does some of that stuff does it does it bother you, or is it sort of like I don't care? That's who he is, and that's that's how he is, and that's how he plays, and it's always accepting. Uh,
1: this is this is uh, well. First, I want I just, I just want to circle back for a second. Just yeah. so that that's what I mean is that is that when well, while while you know Brandon Whedon had a game and Derek Anderson had a season. I have not seen a Browns quarterback since Bernie Kosar who looked as if he had a sense of mastery out there on the field and could demonstrate that in the red zone. And as a rookie, seeing Baker Mayfield do that, that play against Denver meant more to me than any other single thing I saw this season. Yeah. Oh. As, as far as the, the other stuff goes, the, the, whether it was planning the flag, you know, back back uh, when he was a Sooner, mm-hmm. uh, you know whether it's it's the stare, the stare down of Hugh Jackson, you know all I care about. And I was watching the uh, you know the, the Freddie Kitchens introductory uh, press conference. Uh, you know I stream everything from New Jersey. Uh, you know, winning is fun, and fun is winning. And if, if you know, you could do it any way you want. <laughs> and obviously, I, I don't want a quarterback who tortures small animals or 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 does anything, you know, that that uh, you know. I, I want to avert my eyes. Of course. Uh, uh, but 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 my goodness, what we're talking about here is pure. Uh, you know, it's if not the essence. Of, of sport and, you know, as a sublimation of, of toxic masculinity playing out in a more appropriate arena, then, then those stare downs or that kind of thing, you know, anyone who's troubled by any of that stuff. I mean, look, we can talk all we want about uh, John, John Manziel, John, you know, Johnny football is an addict or is the this or is the that or is the other thing. But, but, you know, when we're looking as fans. These are two-dimensional guys. You mm-hmm. draft a guy, uh, and, and you really—you know—I mean, all you want is—is, is, you know, for for a win. You want to win. You want to have a chance to win, no matter who the opponent is. You want you want to have a chance to win. And if if this is if if this is what inspires and what informs this particular young quarterback at this point in his career. You know, the trot, trotting past the Bengals bench to stare down huge <laughs> Jackson <laughs> after that 60 yard, you know, Bob's and the joker. You know, if that, I mean, where's the harm? We're talking about a league that has harbored some of the ugliest, uh, 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 you know, most toxic kinds of acting out, mm-hmm. you know, that that that, that men, the angry young men can do. Why are we even talking? I mean, really. Why are we even? Nobody would have would have had any problem uh, with anything Johnny Football ever did if he had been able to play the position well in the NFL. Hey, I got I got a question for you, and this yeah. this is this is maybe maybe a tough, but it's definitely a Baker Mayfield question, definitely a Nick Chubb type question. Here's what I'm saying: I'm I'm 66 years old now, and I, I came up, you know, as a Browns fan back in in the '60s, and it wasn't until you know the new Browns and even then it wasn't until I don't know which GM it was whether it was you know pre-Phil Savage or, but when did it become a thing where you have a high draft pick let's say you know Barkevius Mingo high was he a six pick seven pick eight pick I'm just I'm just trying to remember when it became cool for fans to go well you know uh, you know uh, 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 Justin Gilbert the he looked like crap or I mean, Corey Coleman, I think you and I had a bit of a dispute about, mm-hmm. uh, uh it, 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 a gentleman's dispute in our DMS. But what I'm saying is this idea that it takes two or three or four years to judge a draft. Okay. I get it. That's legitimate, but it doesn't take two, three, four seasons to judge a high pick mm-hmm. in the NFL draft. It, it just doesn't. I mean, there, I see that Cam uh, uh, Irving is playing, you know, offensive line and you know, producing, apparently, for a very good football team in Kansas City. So we can't say ultimately that, that that was untrue in his case, but I've spent way too many years listening to way too many people talk absolute bull about terrible Browns draft picks. You know, I, I'm just saying I'm, I'm just yeah. saying when it's a Baker Mayfield or a Nick Chubb or a Miles Garrett you don't have to wait two or three seasons you you know if a guy's an impact guy within two or three games of his of the start of his career
0: i think that's 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 fun that's a fun topic really in general because the browns have for so long um you know, have for so long drafted some of these guys. It, 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 the history speaks for itself, right? Like the jokes almost make themselves. So it's... uh Yeah, no, you, it's true. Yeah, it's, true. It, it's fascinating. Yeah. I think you have a great point. I think that with some of these guys, very quickly you can tell how how impactful they will be. The consistency is another thing, but just you can tell. And I think I agree with you for the most part. When they put on a uniform, you, you really quickly can tell... Um, that there, there are exceptions. There are going to be. I think the, the the this the conversation around Corey Coleman was so fascinating, and it was because he started out really well, and then he got hurt. Right? He got hurt, and yep. he broke a hand, yep. and then um, the same thing happened his second year. So you had a lot of people like me. As this it, that that situation with Coleman has given me a lot of self reflection on how good a player is, and maybe being blinded by certain things. And you know, you learn you learn about your own opinion sometimes with somebody like Corey, but. The Browns have drafted near the top of the draft for so long, and we've seen so many fail that people want to believe that they they made the right pick, right? Like, we can't – I think that that's what it's become to me, at least in my opinion, is that they they don't want to give up on these guys quickly because it's like, we've seen so many fail, and – we just don't want to believe it could happen again, and that's what was so different about this draft because they took three rookies in the very beginning of their, and it's it's still to be determined on the kid out of Nevada, Austin Corbett. He'll he'll eventually find a role. Yeah. I have no yeah. doubt about that. But you know, with Nick Chubb, Denzel so. Ward, and, and Baker Mayfield, it was like, okay, those, oh my those, god, yeah, yeah, Warden. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I th- forgot Ward. It, it, yeah, I, again, yeah. It, it there are legit cases, especially later in the first round, and yes, overall, there's a huge crapshoot, you know, uh, angle to it. But goodness gracious, Denzel Ward, it didn't take, you know, more than a handful of plays Yeah, it was of his first game to go, whoa. Yeah. yeah, this kid can play in the NFL. No, I mean, I, God willing, I hope his concussion thing doesn't turn out to be a thing.
0: True, very true. Um, but, yeah, I think that's been what the, the, the biggest part of the excitement with the Browns this year. I think if the Browns had drafted Josh Allen or drafted Sam Darnold and there was a little bit of a struggle there as, as those guys have struggled or um, – you know, some of the things didn't click. Right, I think that that the draft, four of their top three of their top four picks hitting right away and being very impactful players right off the bat, like you referenced, is a big reason why the optimism is so high, because we're not used to it. Oh like, we're, we're genuinely no. not used to it. You know, the guys <laughs> like Barkevius Mingo no. and. And uh, Trent Richardson yeah. have gone on to have, you know, a, at least a moderate impact in other places. And Jabal Sheard is another name that continues to make an impact in the league. But, you know, there have been plenty that, you know, the Ray Farmer draft that is oh so famous of of Johnny Menzel and Justin Gilbert and, um, you know, guys yeah. that just don't even stick in the league. So for it to be yeah. – the, the history, I, I said it before we came on, we were chatting. The, the history writes itself sometimes and um, – you know, it's it that, that that part of things I think is being overlooked as to reason to why Yeah, the Kitchens hire is great. Like I'll ask your opinion here on Freddie in just a minute. And I think the, the Kitchens hire has been fantastic. But I think people are s- sort of overlooking now, glossing over the fact that the Browns found so much success in the draft, and that success that they found in the draft to not just those three guys that we talked about, but the likes of Jenard Avery, who is a very impactful rookie they took later on, and Antonio Callaway is an impactful rookie. The, the draft cannot be oversold for how hitting those picks, how important it was to springboarding the optimism, springboarding the end-of-the-season wins, and giving us all this, this feel. If Baker Mayfield didn't hit and they won seven games with Tyrod Taylor, it would feel completely different. It, it just I, There's no it doubt would, about it. it. Yeah, so um, I
1: felt... I've, I felt if they could get four or five wins, and 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 confirm that they found the quarterback, that that would be, uh, you know, that that would be a great season. Because realistically, you go one and fifteen, followed by zero and sixteen, and retain the same head coach. You know, four or five wins to me seemed realistic, and 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 getting some enough of a look at Baker Mayfield to determine that yeah, we got we got the right guy. Uh, you know, 7-8-1 in Sidney Mayfield. You know, basically, uh, wasn't he voted uh, uh, offensive uh,
0: rookie yeah. of the year today? Yeah, interestingly enough, the Pro Football Writers Association gave no him question. the the rookie of the year overall. No they gave Saquon the, the offensive rookie of the year. It'll be very interesting to see how that finishes. But you're right. that, that That's what it is. This, this kid leads them to seven wins, and that is where the optimism is more than anything else. And I really yes. think he's shaping everything. Like the, I thought that the the beginning of of his rookie year when they drafted him to win the first week of the season happened, I felt like they did everything they could possibly do to keep him off the field. Not not out of a nefarious uh, intentions by any stretch, but I just thought that they didn't want to play. They didn't want to force it. And that, whether that was a John Dorsey decision or a Hugh right. Jackson decision, they were probably in harmony on that. But. Um, this, this is going to be a very different off season. It is going to be, and it's already evident the hiring that they made at, at head coach was all about his relationship and his, his production alongside this rookie quarterback. They're going to try to address weapons offensively that they think will help this rookie quarterback. And then, you know, uh, the Todd Monken hire as an offensive coordinator, which I'm going to try to write on him a little bit later this week is, is all geared toward Mayfield. Everything points to him. So it's fascinating. It's a, it's a good time um you know for for the franchise to have that good a vibe going with with a quarterback for a change right so uh, i'll ask you i'll ask you scott about kitchens i mean was that the guy you as it ended uh it all sort of came together very uh interestingly but as as, as the season ended <laughs> and and it and it took into a coaching search did you think it ended with kitchens and do you do you like do you like that hire or did you like the press conference all the I- above
1: I didn't. I didn't have a lot of thoughts. I usually don't. I mean, I, I, I'm always, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm typical of anything except me. But I'm always the guy who thinks, you know, this time they got it right. Mm-hmm. You know, Holmgren, Holmgren. You know, this time. I mean, that that's been true for almost everything the Browns have done, and, and it's turned out very badly. So, <laughs> I had no idea. I had. I did have, uh, you know, just based on on Greg Williams's age and the fact that you know, his his defense when it came down to it really wasn't all that good. It's true. And and yeah, he righted the ship and I gave him full credit uh for turning stuff around, but I did not think Greg Williams would have been the right pick for the you know, for for the retaining the job. And and I didn't have like, you know, what once a guy like Bruce Arians has said, well I would only come back for the Browns job <laughs> and then immediately, you know, as soon as it's open season starts interviewing for other jobs. That takes them off my, my radar. Yep. I don't know enough. And I, I don't know, you know, like I watch this stuff, like, I, you know, I've said, i I'm, I'm an old guy. So I, I watch the Freddie, the Freddie kitchens thing. And, you know, I laugh a lot, you know, there's never been a Browns coach that hasn't won every press conference. You know, they're never serious. I wrote a profile, I think of a Cleveland sports related, uh, Uh, subject for Esquire magazine was Mike Pettin before his rookie season as Mm -hmm. coach. And Freddie, you know, Freddie reminds me of kind of a a Southern fried uh, version of of Pettin, meaning a lot of credibility, you know, a lot of credibility as a guy, but you know, I mean, you know, and some of it I guess is from if you spend 25 or 30 years as I did, writing You know, celebrity profiles for magazines or stuff like that. So you're automatically looking at these, these kinds of narratives, you know. So I'm, I'm reading about his aortic section, you know. The, mm-hmm. the I'm reading about Ginger Kitchens, uh, his wife, and how they met back in Gadsden, and and you know, And then I'm watching Freddie, and Freddie's saying like this whole, you know, I is not a word, you know, that whole thing.
0: Oh yeah. yeah two yeah. is
1: one, and two is one, and one is none. That kind of thing.
0: He's full of cliches. And I'm looking at Dor.
1: He's well no, no it's not just cliches. I'm looking at Dorsey too, you know, yeah. Buddy Boy. I'm looking yeah. at him, you know, this lantern jawed, lantern jaw guy. And I'm not trying to make myself, you know, sound like like a total like like you know, left left wing New York City media elitist. I'm just looking looking at these guys and going, All I care about and and you know, I'm I'm not a guy who has spent my life showering with other guys, you know, and, and Of course, not a guy who's really, you know, I'm, I'm a huge sports fan, but, but I don't know. I don't know that world. I'm an outsider. We are all outsiders in, in that world. Even guys who've covered the team, you know, a guy like Tony Grossi who literally for decades has covered the team very much an outsider in that culture. All I, all I care about is is like Dorsey really does seem to have a gift for finding talent. Mm-hmm. In the draft, finding football talent in the draft, and Freddie Kitchens, everyone sold that guy short. What, well, yeah? You know, what was he? What was he doing? Was he selling cars? He was selling cars, right? Yeah, that's Freddy what he Kitchens. said.
0: He started when he got done with yeah. college, he was, he was selling yeah. cars and and listening to Alabama that's games right. on the radio. <laughs> after and after pride, playing, and yeah, yeah,
1: cry it because he. You know, so there's a guy went to Bama, like played for Gene Stallings, like Mm -hmm. he was a decent, obviously a decent uh, quarterback. And 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 I think people tend to forget, not you, but guys like me especially, that just to get even, you know, it's not a great era for the Crimson Tide or whatever. Freddie Kitchens was a quarterback at Alabama. You know, you you can't sell a guy like that short. You know what it takes, what it takes to get to that level of competition, and how deep. It deep in the blood. It, it must go to where you're listening to those games uh on the weekend and being brought to tears, knowing you want your life to be uh devoted to this sport. It's more than more than just and so that you know that's a lot of the as I get older, and these guys ass, assume more of a three dimensional aspect. Meaning, you know, I, LeBron taught me this because I hated on him so much when he left the Cavs and. Mm-hmm and all that, that that I came out the other end with the understanding that, you know, it was much easier for me, you know, to, to get worked up one way or the other, uh, as, as if, by not considering these people as anything, but you know, two dimensional extensions of my need to root for a champion kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't really exist in real time. Like I do, you know, <laughs> with flaws. And, and of course, but, but I'm in, I'm in awe of Freddie kitchens is, is what I'm saying. I just, I some of this stuff is like it's cl- as closed off to me as trying to understand, you know, cover three or whatever, you know, even yeah. more, it's even more, more closed off than that. And what goes on there, you know, I don't think any of us really knows what goes on with the Josh Gordon or, or what goes on, you know, like what Baker Mayfield was getting pounded, you know, uh, uh, early on, to the point where I actually worried i wasn't worried whether Baker Mayfield was the guy or not, I was worried Baker Mayfield was the guy who was going to get hurt because the line looked that horrible, and without really doing anything much different that I could discern once the changes were made, suddenly, Baker Mayfield was not getting touched by the other team yeah you're i can't, right. i still don't I still don't know how they did that, honest to god jake i don't know.
0: It's been a fascinating topic that a lot of people have have asked me, and I try, I tried to write on it as best I could. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard because, and I'll, I'll I'll go back first. I think you're right about Freddie Kitchens. I think what he preaches is people. He puts an importance on people, and you 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 know when you get to the NFL, so many. So many individuals forget that you win with people, and I think that that, and I, I said cliche a minute ago, meaning meaning those sound cliche, but I think it it is something that is very true, and I think getting people to believe in you and getting people to believe in your message, especially young millionaires, is extremely difficult, and I think he has a way of organically doing that that you don't see for many people, Um and I think that that's why his rise is very fascinating. And his rise scares a lot of people in the business, especially those who have given their opinion from outside of Cleveland on kitchens, that the NFL is really bad at picking head coaches. That's historically true. And this guy doesn't have the normal path to becoming a head coach necessarily. And and it, I think it kind of makes people feel a little bit threatened by it is this there's no conceivable way this guy could be the right pick well what says he can't be the right pick you know and I think Freddie even said it in the interview and I said it to you before we started about being a parent nobody knows how to be a parent until they are actually a parent you know nobody knows how to be a head coach until you're you're a head coach like you can dream of it but you don't know what the heck it entails you don't know the decisions that are going to be put in front of you until you're there so You know, I think I think it could really work, and I think that the best part of him is he's a motivator. Above all else, he does some great things offensively. You talk about the avoiding sacks, but the motivation aspect is so important, and it really feels like the roster, at least the offense that he was in charge of, wanted to run through a wall for him. And I I can't I can't quite say that that is, uh, you know, I I think that that's very undersold in this whole process. But yeah, keeping keeping Baker clean was. It was fascinating. It was was probably hasn't been given enough uh, limelight, to be honest with you. To to only have him hit nine times the second half of the year, which is that's just stupid. The second the second place team in the league only, I think the Colts had Andrew Luck hit twenty nine times, twenty less times a quarterback's hit. And I can and I, I played college football at a very small level. I I I've seen. I've seen what it's like uh on, on a super small scale. I never am, am so pretentious enough to think that I've seen anything Baker Mayfield has seen, but I do know that being hit all the time has an impact on you. Whether you're hit and you get a throw off or or you're taking sacks, it's if you're if you're not touched and you're able to get the ball out without being hit, whether that's through protection or his his ability to escape the pocket or the different things Freddie did, like helping somebody chip on a, on a, on a rush end, you know, sending a tight end out. It all, it's a culmination of things. I'm a big believer that, um, you know, a sack that takes place is not only on the linemen, it's on everybody in extent, the play caller, the quarterback, the running backs, all of it, wide receivers getting separation. They had a, and this speaks The the one thing I can say, and this is not quantifiable, but they were playing with a certain harmony, all 11 guys and 12, if you include the play caller in the second half of the year, and that led to all of it clicking that led to separation at the wide receiver position that led to Greg Robinson doing a nice job when he was inserted at left tackle. Yes, It led, yes. it led to Mayfield having yes. a feel for how to escape the pocket. All of those things came together. And I think that that is And John Dorsey's referenced it four or five times now that the, the live resume that Freddie was able to put together in yes. the second half of the year was yes. just, it was too hard to overlook. You just can't, you can't overlook that type of offense is something we have sat back as as Cleveland Browns fans oh and watch and watch so many other well, teams do that, and and for us to well, be a, yeah, go ahead.
1: Uh, no, I, I just that that's exactly it. Watching, you know, watching other teams, uh, uh, and then realizing the Browns, it did look like the Browns were actually, you know, a scrimmage team. We're not mm-hmm. in playing in the same league. But the the red zone production alone, yeah, the last half of the season, yep made made uh freddy kitchens the right hire
0: those it did it
1: did were not those numbers like historically good oh yeah he was just For behind he production. might have
0: even etched out a, a drew Brees in terms of of sheer passing efficiency in the red zone and then yeah how many times yeah. they were straight into the red zone and came away with a touchdown yeah. we overlook it it's almost yeah. like it's almost like we're forgetting and i was really i was really nervous about how long the process was taking because i get where some people were trying to say that you know freddy hasn't earn air quotes here earn this job or he's only coached eight games an entire it doesn't matter to me you can either it's just like we were talking about earlier scott with the draft picks it only takes a small window to say this guy can do it or this guy can't do it and he can do That's it right. and and we're just going to let this guy walk out the door because because we want to pick somebody else it just it didn't make sense i'm so happy they got it right i'm happy with who they've brought in around him i think they brought in a nice plethora of of uh of guys who have proven themselves at different places and also guys who have failed at some different places who are hungry to succeed again. And I think that's equally as important too. So um, kudos to the Browns. They're they're making all the right decisions and in a world that's been upside down for this fan base for so long to have their franchise make all the right decisions. It's, it's a welcome change in my opinion.
1: Did did you read anything about this uh, guy, Chris Jones, they brought in from the Canadian I have probably, not.
0: I have not. I have a good connection up there, um a good friend of mine right. um who I went to high school with was one of the best high school quarterbacks I've ever seen. Is is the is the quarterback for the Ottawa Redblacks up there. He's been he's been their guy for a couple of years. So I'm going to try to get with him and figure out any information there, but they seem really excited about bringing him in. Um you know, so that's obviously it's obviously exciting. Every every guy they have brought in has a resume that is that is pretty impressive, all the way down to, to the Tyler Tettleton kid they brought in from Ohio University to be an offensive assistant who worked with Mayfield at, at Oklahoma as a GA. It's all – I'm telling you, man, it's very weird how how good this looks on paper. Now, whether paper turns into wins, we don't know, but it's hard not to feel really great a, about it. And that leads me yeah. to my last question for you, Scott, which is, is this – I mean, is this the most excited you will have been about the Browns since their – departure return is that where you're at with it or, or um, do you have some I think, it, I, th- Go
1: ahead. I think it is no I think it is the most excited I've been there was a point when in uh, uh you know one decent season where they were seven and four they lost the last five games to yep. finish seven and nine and then it was three and 13 and then it was time for Hugh Jackson so you know I never I never anyway I, you know the idea that they actually found uh, franchise level uh, QB, uh, and that it made such a dramatic difference so early. I was skeptical about how much uh, Hugh Jackson was holding back the team. I I wasn't sure that they were really a four or five win team when they were zero and sixteen. I I, I couldn't tell what was Hugh Jackson and what you know what was the coaching, mm-hmm. what what was the, the what was the talent level. So you know to see the way that team finished, you know the second half of the season, it's a tough. I mean, people say, well, the Steelers or the Ravens are on the downhill slope, but it's still a very tough uh, AFC North. But I have not been close to this optimistic, and I think, you know, the reason really really is that, I, you know, you got the old man Cleveland mindset is what what horrible illness will befall Baker Mayfield. <laughs> but it really is the, – the optimism really is based on finding that guy as, as the quarterback. It was very tough, you know, not, not that I even bother to argue anymore, but, you know, people – who who would you know? Whatever the argument was, it was tough to see Goff and Wentz, and you know, got young quarterbacks throughout the league, Deshaun Watson, of course. you know, guys that 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 clearly were going to be part of a future that might include Super Bowls. Uh, until Baker Mayfield came along, I didn't feel anything like that about the Browns was going to happen, and now I do. So that's huge.
0: Yeah, it is. It is a different. Um, and I'm with. I'm with you. Made a good point there about what what. What could befall Mayfield? It, it it's it's the expectations things are are, are hard for even me being being twenty nine and and on the younger side of things watching you just you, you haven't seen it enough. So the last time they had expectations in two thousand eight, it just was so hard to watch them go four and twelve after that great year. um... So you're scared. You're always wondering when the when the Murphy's Law is going to kick in. But I I don't know. I just. I just have this this feeling that, that that Mayfield and and Kitchens aren't going to let that mental, um, you know, stigma that has been in that that franchise for so. Long. I just don't feel like they're going to let it happen, and that's a really cool. It's a really cool thing to have faith in because I I like I talked about earlier, and I, when's the last time we've had that faith? I, I couldn't even I couldn't even really tell you. I, I wasn't I wasn't obviously alive for the Bernie Kosar era, um, and and I wish I could have. I've wa- I've, wa- I've watched as much on that as I could is is because yeah. I, I just it was so cool. I mean I was I was obviously very, very, very young when, when er, you know, uh, Bill Belichick was coming into his own as a Cleveland coach before they left and my first memories are of them in that that final game and not being able to go toward the dog pound because they wouldn't they wouldn't allow it. And those were my first memories. So the, the you know the only Browns I've ever known are Browns that have been terrible. So it is it is something to behold and I'm lucky enough that hopefully number six has a decade here and my son's first memories can, uh, you know, can be, oh yeah, can, can be of, of going up to that stadium and watching that guy play football. Cause that would, that would be really cool. So, um, that's, that's,
1: Yeah. I hope so I hope you guys, you guys get to do it. There's there, there really is, you know, people say it's just sports and all that. And I can't dispute it. You know, there's a, there's a whole world to hurt out there and it is just sports, but, but within within that, it, the way it connects people, the way it can, you know, connects friends, connects generations, connects you know, fathers to sons, it, it has for me uh, and my son. And and you know, having having the same thing uh, is is a beautiful and profound thing. Even though it's just sports, and I just, you know, you just want it to be. Uh, hey, it's easier to root for a winner. It feels really good. There's an area of life where there's just no disputing the outcome. There's no spin in it. It's so much better. Life is so much better when the Browns are winning. It's just the way it is.
0: I, I would I would wholeheartedly agree, and it was really cool to experience that on a smaller scale this year. And I talk a lot on this podcast yeah. about this lost generation. They've lost 20 years of, of, of fans have gone to Cincinnati or Pittsburgh or – any other wide variety of, you know, LeBron's a, a Dallas fan, you know, like it just, it is far too long that this franchise has let fans disappear due to ineptitude. And I hope that, um, you know, I, I welcome everybody that could that could possibly get on board with this franchise because it is, it could be special. So, Scott, I, we could go all night, man. We could go for the next two hours. Absolutely. But, uh, but we got to, time restrictions cut us short, buddy. So I'm I'm gonna say humbly thank, thank you again you. Thank for coming thank. on. Thank I, you. I I really appreciate it. I think everybody will enjoy your insights and um yeah, so I, I, I'll ask guys, as I always do as we end this podcast, if you can be so kind as to hop on iTunes and give it a listen and subscribe and review and all that good stuff. I appreciate that and we'll continue to to keep trying to get as good a as good a voice as is, the likes of Scott here and, and and continue to evaluate this off season and all it means for the fan base. So, um, that's a wrap for this episode. If you, again, if you guys can hop on iTunes and help out and share and all that good stuff. And, and, uh, you know, until, until we come back next time, guys, go Browns.